To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old .com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Oakland A's and their Moneyball Legacy. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Stay in Oakland! Stay in Oakland! Stay in Oakland, the plea from many a diehard A's fan in the stands of the Oakland Coliseum this past baseball season as the team plans a move to Las Vegas. There remain some potential hurdles to a move, including a vote next week, by Major League Baseball owners on whether to allow it. Now, even if you don't follow baseball, you may know the story of how more than two decades ago, the cash-strapped A's pioneered the use of high-tech data analysis in baseball. Michael Lewis wrote about it. Brad Pitt did the movie about it. For more on how the A's changed the game, we called up Keith Law of The Athletic, who reminded us how the team found an edge by looking at what some would call nerdy stats, like on-base percentage, measuring how often a hitter reached first base safely. It's the best measure of a hitter because the hitter's fundamental job is don't get out. If you just boil it down to the simplest thing possible... And it's the thing that's also the most under his control. He can't control if there are men on base, for example, and whether he gets an RBI or if someone's going to knock him in when he's already on base. But he can largely control what he does himself when he's at the plate. And that gave the A's a temporary but significant advantage and led to several years of high win totals and playoff appearances. But then what happened is other teams are catching on. They're seeing what the A's are doing on base percentage. I assume a lot of teams are now paying a lot more attention to. So how did the A's evolve Moneyball from there? So to me, it's actually it's a baseball story. and It's also a bit of a business story, right? You find a temporary advantage in the marketplace. But of course, your competitors are probably not stupid and they see what you're doing. You're having success and they copy you. What really got Oakland is that several teams with better, with more resources, particularly the Red Sox under Theo Epstein, said, we could do that and we have money. So the A's had to keep chasing the next possible advantage. So they went from a chasing on base percentage to uh, they went after defensive wizards because teams would pay for offense. They'd pay for pitching. But the A's looked at the marketplace and said, people aren't really paying for defense, or at least not at an appropriate price. So if we can get that for 60 cents on the dollar, we're 
we're winning that side of the equation. We can build better teams on the cheap. So in terms of that data gathering, it was in 2015 or so that StatCast comes on the scene. Describe what that is and what does it do exactly? So Major League Baseball chose to invest to install uh, optical and, and radar equipment in all 30 Major League ballparks that would provide extremely precise measurements of the movement of the baseball, as well as the movement of all the people on the field. They're tracking everything. And very quickly, some teams said, this is gold, and started building these R&D departments and hiring people with much more technical backgrounds. So suddenly, Major League Baseball, instead of just competing with each other to hire front office people, they were competing with Google and Facebook and hiring people with totally different backgrounds than anyone they'd ever hired before to try to cope with the flood of data. And so that took the, the Moneyball concept and gave us the real revolution that Moneyball was kind of an evolution. StatCast was a revolution, completely changed the sport permanently, changed the way teams staff their front offices, changed the way teams look for players, changed the way teams develop players. Have all these new stats that people in baseball and viewers have access to made the game better? Is it more fun? It has certainly changed the game. To me, the the thing that's most noticeable right now, strikeouts are at an all-time high in the sport. That's not very fun as a viewer. No, right? (laughs) And as as someone who really came of age as a baseball fan in the 80s when we had high stolen base totals and players running all over the place, yeah, I miss that. That's, to me, that's a bit more exciting. And baseball has tried to make little changes to get more of that back into the sport, but we're not there yet. We'll be right back with Keith Law, senior baseball writer at The Athletic. He'll tell us about his experience as an early data cruncher in the major leagues. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Keith Law at The Athletic. You were one of the first people in the data crunching, data analysis business in baseball. You were the special assistant to the GM in Toronto at the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, What was it like then? And what does this business look like today? So my boss, J.P. Ricciardi, came from Oakland and was the GM for the Blue Jays and was hired in part. They said, hey, Oakland's doing something we want to be able to do, but we're Toronto. We might have a little bit more resources. Um, And so I was one of J.P.'s first hires, not his first, but one of his first ones. He said, I don't really have anybody to do this stuff at all. I have scouts. I have plenty of baseball people. I need somebody on the data side. And I joked that I was the whole department um, and the, everything lived on my laptop, which is unthinkable today, given the sheer quantity of data and the number of people who fill what we now call the R&D department for most teams, or some people refer to it as analytics. But that might be 20 people for a 20 lot of teams. people. And you were doing right. all of it I was by yourself. Yes. And the, there's such a difference in the work that is being done. So much of my time Uh, back when I was still writing code, was just gathering data. That was the number one challenge, was finding the data, getting it, scraping it off of websites just to get it in a usable format. Today, the data comes to them. I'm not saying their jobs are easier. Now the job is is much harder. It's much more technical because you need people who have big data backgrounds, data science degrees often, often to the level of PhDs. Working in baseball front offices to work with terabytes of data that become available to them every year. And what I just find fascinating is it's still the same thing, though. You're still looking for the advantages. You're still trying to find something there 
that'll give you a leg up, even a temporary one, over other teams when you're looking for players. When you look at the A's over the last 20 years, um, you know, keeping in mind that this team is still very cheap, did Moneyball work for them ultimately? I would say yes. They had far more success over the past 20 years than you would expect given the low investment in payroll. Um, and I would even say, if you go a little further into it, they have not been particularly successful at drafting, which is how many, I would say most low payroll teams find their way to compete is they invest in the draft and you know, hopefully find success in the draft because it's the, by far the cheapest, most efficient way to get really good, highly talented players into your organization. They've not been great at that. They've been really great at picking players off of other rosters who were underutilized, unappreciated, underdeveloped, and finding success that way. So I would say, yes, that this approach, this whole idea did work for them. And it even continued to work for them as other teams adopted it. But there's a limit. I think it is also very fair to say they reached that ceiling and it certainly wasn't going to work forever. At some point, ownership was going to have to put more money into payroll. And I think that's one of the motivations for them to try to move to another market. And it is now 20 years since Michael Lewis published his book, Moneyball. You, by the way, are mentioned on page 277 in my copy. It's been really interesting to see how much the book has influenced the league. I think the book may have oversimplified things a bit, but the concept is really sound. This was, and this is something Lewis has done in a lot of his books, is he's profiled people who've looked for hidden advantages, arbitrage opportunities in their respective industries and capitalized on them. And he recognized as well that this was the only way Billy Bean, who ran the A's at the time, is still with the organization, and his group were going to be able to compete on one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. And that book had such a huge influence in the industry because owners were reading it and saying, I would hear stories of owners putting that book on a baseball executive GM's desk. Why can't we do that? Why aren't we like the A's? And I think a lot of owners sort of woke up a little bit and said, in my other, all these owners made money in other industries. We would compete. We would do things. We would innovate to try to stay ahead. Why can't we do these things? And so what Oakland did, accelerated by the existence of the book, was start what has been a 20-year process that's still ongoing of change, of innovation. And it's not all positive, but it is, I think it's inevitable. And the, particularly with the advent of StackCast, it has accelerated. And so now we see change just normal in baseball. I think we're all becoming used to it, that the pace of change in the sport is probably permanently faster. And that's great for me. It keeps the things really interesting, but it also presents new problems that I think baseball is still grappling with, like how the sport has actually changed on the field and whether that's still as appealing a product to the greater fan base. That was Keith Law of The Athletic. Sports Illustrated is out with a piece on top three reasons why Major League Baseball owners should vote no on the A's proposed move to Vegas. Reason number one, less a reason than a barrage of questions, really. What will this project look like? Why leave a large market for the desert 
And how will the owner of the A's pay for all of this? We've posted a link to that on our website, marketplacetech.org. My thanks to radio producer Nina Thorson, who once worked here at Marketplace and provided us with that tape you heard earlier of fans chanting at the Coliseum. One of the first things you learn about Nina when you meet her is that she is a longtime and very passionate A's fan, member of the Right Field Drum Crew and the Oakland 68s, a group of fans trying to keep the A's in the town. Our thanks to Nina. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.